98K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Robert Kemp. Tonight's headlines. Carrie Lam pushes the national security law in an advertising blitz. The CEO of Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, says the social network and its WhatsApp messaging service could fall foul of the new law. And the US and Britain plan to informally raise the Hong Kong issue at the United Nations Security Council. The office of the chief executive says it spent $2.5 million on a major advertising push today in support of the new national security law for the SAR. Advertisements in the form of a letter from the chief executive Carrie Lam appeared in both English and Chinese language newspapers, often on the front page. In her letter, Mrs Lam says Hong Kong has become a gaping hole in the nation's security and urged citizens to staunchly support the new legislation. She said the law would only target a minority of criminals and would not affect the rights and freedoms of the majority. In Beijing, the Public Security Ministry has said it will direct and support the Hong Kong police to stop violence and restore order after the national security legislation was approved. The ministry, which runs the National Police Force, said it wanted to strike a severe blow against infiltration, subversion and sabotage by hostile forces. China analyst Mark O'Neill said the move was a step into the unknown for both sides. The agencies of the central government of Beijing have not, not been allowed to operate here. So now we're going to have mainland police officers here, senior officers, I think, and they will be interacting with Hong Kong police officers. And I wonder how much the mainland officers know about the situation here and how much they know about the Hong Kong laws here. And we're going to have these new laws which are being brought in. So the Hong Kong police are going to have to learn about the new laws. The Hong Kong judges are going to have to learn about the new laws. I see many reasons for difficulty. The CEO of Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, has raised the possibility that the social network and its WhatsApp messaging service could fall foul of Beijing's new security law for Hong Kong. In an interview with Fox News, Mr Zuckerberg said Facebook's products were popular here and the company was closely watching the situation in the hope it can continue offering its services. China has just approached the internet very differently from the US and even Europe and, and most other places. They have different values. That's been very difficult and is, is certainly one of the reasons why well, we're not in China today. We don't offer our consumer services there. I, I do think we're going to have to watch this situation closely. Right now, people across Hong Kong really love our services. They use uh, WhatsApp because it's it's encrypted and they know it's going to be secure um, so they can they, they know that they can they can message each other safely without being watched. Reuters news agency says the US and Britain plan to informally raise Beijing's plan to impose a new national security legislation on Hong Kong and the United Nations Security Council, the United Nations Security Council. Britain's UN mission confirmed that the two countries had notified the 15-member Security Council that they would raise the matter behind closed doors under any other business. Meanwhile, President Donald Trump is due to announce later tonight his response to Beijing's move to impose national security legislation on Hong Kong. Police have arrested a 28-year-old man for allegedly conspiring or soliciting people to murder police officers on a social media platform. The force believe the man is behind a Telegram channel which they said showed tutorials of how to make weapons such as petrol bombs and homemade bombs. Officers also said the channel incited people to damage government property, such as roads, barriers and traffic lights. Two mobile phones and a computer were seized during the arrest and more people could be arrested. 
Police have also removed the content of the channel, saying it incites hatred and violence. Lejko's Finance Committee has voted to approve the administration's request for a $5.4 billion bailout for the troubled Ocean Park. The money will be used to repay $3 billion in commercial loans and fund the theme park's operations until July next year. Lawmakers had expressed concerns about the park's future prospects and pan-democrats said they believe the money would be wasted. But the DAB's Holden Chow said the park should be given a chance to review its operations with a focus on education and conservation. They should work out the future plan. If they change the way of operations, they abandon the traditional way of of being a theme park and not to waste too much taxpayers' money, reduce costs, make sure that they can sustain if they allow private investment to pour into the park. I think that would be a good way out at least. Tune to RTHK, the time is five minutes past eleven. 13 people who returned to Hong Kong from Pakistan yesterday have tested positive for COVID-19. They are aged between 2 and 46. Dr. Chuan Shukwan of the Centre for Health Protection says there's no reason to believe the returnees will contribute to a rise in local infections. Some of them are in clusters because of the five family members and some of them are two or three family members. So the actual number of cluster may be uh, not as high as 13, but it still reflects the outbreak situation in Pakistan. As all of them, all these Pakistan returnees to Hong Kong have been put under quarantine in Jonya Estate. So they will be quarantined for 14 days. So this is to prevent any local transmission to the community. So I think the mere number of cases confirmed in one day does not um, increase the risk of local transmission. New cases take the total number of COVID-19 cases in the SAR to 1,079. Former Chief Executive C.Y. Leung has urged HSBC customers to be wary of continuing to bank with the British lender. Mr. Leung, who's a Vice Chairman of the Chinese People's Political Consultative Conference, is taking aim at the banking giant for not expressing a position on the SAR's future national security law. Vicky Wong reports. Mr Leung made his appeal after the United Kingdom, the United States, Australia and Canada issued a joint statement expressing concerns over Beijing's national security law for Hong Kong. In a Facebook post, he writes, We must clearly show these countries that Hong Kong is not their colony, adding that the joint statement interfered in China's internal affairs. He says it's been a week since the law plan was announced, but HSBC has not yet expressed a stance. He describes HSBC as a self-proclaimed British bank and says its board of directors and senior management are almost all British. But the bank's profits mainly come from China, he says. At the same time, HSBC follows other Western countries in trying to do damage to China's sovereignty and dignity, as well as hurting the feelings of the Chinese people, he writes. Mr Leung says much of HSBC's business in China can be replaced overnight by mainland banks or banks from other countries, and anyone with HSBC accounts should take steps to avoid becoming hostages like Huawei. We need to let British agencies like the British government, politicians and HSBC know which side of their bread is buttered, he says. Mr Leung also attacks former Hong Kong Governor Chris Patton for his criticism of Beijing's security law move, saying he wants to tell the British that China is drawing a line in the sand and we'll see who ends up paying the price. Taiwan's President Tsai Ing-wen has visited a bookstore run by mainland kidnap victim Lam Wing-ki, reiterating promises of humanitarian support and sanctuary for anti-government protesters in the SAR. Mr Leung has that story. 
During a visit to Causeway Bay Books in Taipei, Tsai Ing-wen told Lam Wing-ki that the books he was selling looked good and she would have to come back for another look. She also wrote a note saying Free Taiwan supports Hong Kong's freedom, while thanking Mr. Lam for standing up for Hong Kong's human rights, freedom and democracy. Ms. Tsai reiterated that her government is now working on a humanitarian assistance action plan that will provide support for the SAR's anti-government protesters who flee to the island. Mr. Lam is one of the five Hong Kong booksellers who was kidnapped in 2015 and was later found to be in detention on the mainland. He fled to Taiwan last year after the SAR government announced a now-scrapped extradition bill and opened his bookshop there last month. A row between Donald Trump and Twitter has intensified, with the social media firm accusing the president of glorifying violence in his comments on unrest in Minneapolis. Buildings in the city were set alight during protests sparked by the killing by police of an unarmed African-American. BBC's Rory Callan-Jones reports. After fact-checking two tweets by Donald Trump about postal voting, Twitter might have been expected to hunker down and try to weather the storm. Instead, it's chosen to escalate its conflict with the president. The latest battle is over a tweet in which he warns protesters in Minneapolis, angry about the killing of a black man, when the looting starts, the shooting starts. It's now been obscured by a message saying it breaks Twitter's rules on glorifying violence. The move came just hours after President Trump signed an executive order designed to remove some legal protections from social media platforms. A CNN reporter and his team have been arrested live on air while covering the protests in Minneapolis. Omar Jimenez, a black reporter, and his crew of three people were led away by state police. In the footage, the reporter identifies his team and offers to move back. CNN later said its crew had been released and the Minnesota governor had apologised. Jeff Pegas is from CBS Minneapolis. As law enforcement has moved in to clear the crowds, they've also swept up some of the reporters. Typically, we're granted access to scenes like this, but in this case, the CNN crew was taken into custody, and in fact, they aimed tear gas in our direction. So it has been a dangerous situation here this morning, but it has calmed down quite a bit. Hundreds of schools in South Korea have closed just days after they reopened due to a spike in coronavirus infections. 56 new cases of COVID-19 were recorded yesterday, slightly down from a two-month high of 79 cases a day earlier. BBC's Laura Bicker reports from Seoul. Health officials are once again trying to bring the latest cluster of coronavirus cases in South Korea under control. Most of the new infections are linked to a distribution centre in Buchon, just west of Seoul. The warehouse is run by the country's biggest e-commerce firm, Kupang, and officials have said the facility was not strictly complying with infection control measures. Traces of COVID-19 were even found on workers' shoes and clothes. The fear of further infection has forced 838 schools to go back to online classes. Events have taken place in Hungary to mark the first anniversary of the sinking of a tourist ship that killed 28 people. The mermaid sank after colliding with a passenger cruiser on the River Danube. From Budapest, here's the BBC's Nick Thorpe. This first anniversary is being marked by solemn commemorations. From the bow of this boat, close to the site of the tragedy, a ship's bell rings out in memory of the victims. Two Hungarian crew and 26 South Korean tourists died in the tragedy. Wreaths were also laid by Hungarian and South Korean officials. 
Family members of the South Koreans who died were unable to travel to Hungary because of the coronavirus pandemic. One of the bodies of the victims has still not been recovered. A year on, the shore of the Danube is lined with flowers and candles. Spanish cabinet has approved a flagship plan to pay the poorest households a basic income. It will replace several regional schemes. The amount will range from just over 500 US dollars a month for people living alone to more than 1100 US dollars for households of five or more people. Spain's deputy prime minister Pablo Iglesias said the move would aid the economy's recovery from the coronavirus pandemic and address inequality. It is a measure of social justice because it takes seriously one of the foundations of democracy, which is the redistribution of wealth, because the resources that we all contribute to the public coffers are going to serve, to a greater extent, to help those who have the least. Workers at the carmaker Renault are protesting outside the only French plant earmarked for closure under the company's plan to shed nearly 15,000 jobs worldwide. The site south of Paris will close by 2022. In a statement, the company alluded to difficulties since its former boss, Carlos Ghosn, was arrested in 2018 on suspicion of financial misconduct. An octopus has been photographed at a depth of 7,000 metres in the Indian Ocean, almost two kilometres deeper than the previous record. The creature has been named Dumbo because of its resemblance to the Disney character. BBC's Jonathan Amos reports. This remarkable discovery is the deepest ever sighting of any member of the group of creatures called cephalopods, which include relatives like the squid. It was made by British marine biologist Alan Jameson, who's pioneered the exploration of the deep using cameras and instruments attached to landing frames that are dropped overboard from research ships. The Dumbo octopus was spotted on two separate drops. Dr Jameson says it must have some special adaptations to survive the crushing pressures. Sport, the English Football Association says they plan to hold this year's FA Cup final on August the 1st. The Showpiece Cup competition was suspended at the quarter-final stage along with all professional football in the country as a result of the coronavirus pandemic. The quarter-final matches will be played over the weekend of June the 27th and 28th with Leicester taking on Chelsea, Newcastle facing holders Manchester City, Sheffield United playing Arsenal and Norwich meeting Manchester United. No decision has been made yet on the venue for those matches, but the intention is to play the semi-finals and final at the National Stadium, Wembley, as usual. Mind of our top stories tonight, Carrie Lamb pushes the national security law in an advertising blitz. The CEO of Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, says the social network and its WhatsApp messaging service could fall foul of the new law, and the US and Britain plan to informally raise the Hong Kong issue at the United Nations Security Council. The news from RTHK. Radio it's town round to get stories covered in this evening's news wrap program. The sole Hong Kong member of the National People's Congress Standing Committee, Tam Yu Chung, says it would be impossible for Beijing to drop its plan to impose a national security law on Hong Kong, and this would go against the will of the country's 1.4 billion people. He said he will try to relay Hong Kong people's concerns about the move when the committee meets in late June to draft the exact wording of the bill. Priscilla Ung reports. The NPC's decision to impose national security legislation on Hong Kong has sparked widespread concern in the territory, with many worried they may lose basic rights like freedom of speech and expression. But NPCSC member Tam Yu Chung says there is nothing to worry about, reiterating that the new law will only target a small number of people.
He says if people are concerned, they can leave their comments on the NPC's website. He was asked whether that platform alone is enough for the NPCSC to gauge public sentiment in the SAR, and whether more should be done to consult the people of Hong Kong, including the Department of Justice and legislators. Right now, we have this website. You can present your view to the website. If you have any channel, I will tell you later. Mr. Tam also brushed aside the possibility that the NPC would make a U-turn and drop the legislation, saying the fact that only one NPC delegate out of 2,885 rejected the plan means all 1.4 billion people in China fully support the law. Dropping the plan would amount to a dereliction of duty, he added. Meanwhile, a local deputy to the NPC reiterated her call for a special court to be set up to deal with security issues. Nike Chan rejected suggestions that the proposal, which would prevent foreign judges from sitting in national security cases, could undermine judicial independence. She said a new court would be in line with the basic law, and that national security is a sovereign matter that needs special attention. According to Article 81 of Basic Law, it is prescribed and stated that a special court on special topics can be established. It is not an issue. It is usual in Hong Kong to have a special court. Say, for example, we have family court in Hong Kong. I have to state that decision in question we are talking about is an act of sovereign power. It is not within the scope of the hard autonomy of Hong Kong. Other local NPC delegates, such as Wang Yuxian, meanwhile, dismissed criticism from foreign countries that the national security bill will undermine one country, two systems, saying Hong Kong affairs are none of their business. Veteran Democrat Martin Lee has warned that the latest move by Beijing to impose the national security law on Hong Kong is only the beginning, and its aim is to take comprehensive control of the SAR. But Executive Council Ronnie Tong says people shouldn't assume it's the death of one country, two systems. Here's Timmy Song. Martin Lee, who founded the Democratic Party, said Beijing is implementing its comprehensive jurisdiction on Hong Kong, as suggested in his policy paper in 2014. He believes Beijing will bring in more draconian laws on Hong Kong's behalf in the future, because the leaders are afraid the Pan Democrats will secure a majority in the upcoming national elections. Even though he doesn't think that will happen, they will allow Hong Kong to legislate on bread and butter issues. But the draconian laws will continue to be passed in Beijing, and at the same time, they want to set up offices, agencies in Hong Kong. They will send down cadres from the Chinese Communist Party to supervise government, the executive, the legislature, and more importantly, the judiciary. And this is only the beginning. I tell you, they want comprehensive administrative power. Mr. Lee helped draft the basic law in the 1980s. He said what Beijing is doing is a complete violation of the Sino-British Joint Declaration and Hong Kong's mini constitution. He said people should not accept a one-country, two systems that exist in name only, even if that's what Beijing wants. Mr. Lee also said mutual destruction, known as Lam Chao in Cantonese, as well as independence, is not the way forward for Hong Kong. They are breaking. This fundamental promise of the Joint Declaration. Why do we not hold them to it? We mustn't allow them to get away with it. We are standing on the moral high ground, and so I will keep on saying, "You are in breach. You are in breach. Come back to Deng Xiaoping's way." That is the only way forward for Hong Kong. 
But Executive Councillor Ronnie Tong said people should not assume the law being drafted by Beijing would be above the other Hong Kong laws and spell the death of one country, two systems. He said core values, such as the presumption of innocence and open trials, will still exist. He also said people here will be given an opportunity to air their views on the national security law, as the National People's Congress Standing Committee is supposed to consult the Basic Law Committee and the SAR government. There will be a stage where we will be consulted. And I think the SAR government has made it plain that it would uh, use uh, all of its efforts to ensure that that consultation would enable us to truly reflect the worries and concerns of the people in Hong Kong. Mr Tong also criticised the reaction of Washington and the international community to the proposed security bill. He said not much is known yet about the legislation, so it's premature to assume Hong Kong's autonomy will be affected. The mainland's public security ministry has pledged to direct and support the Hong Kong police force after the National People's Congress approved a decision to impose national security laws on Hong Kong. The ministry said it would use all efforts to direct and support the Hong Kong police to stop violence and restore order. China analyst Mark O'Neill told Anna-Marie Evans that Hong Kong was entering uncharted territory and saw many reasons for difficulty. The logic of this law is that Beijing is very unhappy with the Hong Kong government and the Hong Kong police in that they've been unable to stop the protests and that the laws and the measures in place here are not sufficient. So therefore they've decided to draft this law. Now, the law says that the relevant agencies, which would be the Ministry of Public Security and the Ministry of State Security, would be allowed to have formal offices here. Now, we assume both have had agents here since 1997, but this will be a formal presence. Now, these are both agencies of the central government in Beijing. Now, Hong Kong is a local government. So in the Chinese hierarchy, these officers from Beijing will be higher. So, yes, indeed, I would expect that they would come and using the powers given to them by the new law, they would see that the measures are enforced and they would direct the Hong Kong police to enforce them. So what sort of intelligence agencies are going to be over here? Well, I, I would say both. I mean, the Ministry of Public Security is like the regular police and the, the Ministry of State Security is the secret police. So in the first instance, it will be the, the Ministry of Public Security because that's the police organ. And uh, you, we're now entering very unknown territory because until now, the agencies of the central government of Beijing have not, not been allowed to operate here. So now we're going to have mainland police officers here, senior officers, I think, and they will be interacting with Hong Kong police officers. And I wonder how much the mainland officers know about the situation here and how much they know about the Hong Kong laws here. And we're going to have these new laws which are being brought in. So the Hong Kong police are going to have to learn about the new laws. The Hong Kong judges are going to have to learn about the new laws. I see many reasons for difficulty. Now, the law will directly strike against the US-controlled proxies and political groups in Hong Kong. I'm just reading Global Times here. Um, so, you know, who, who, are they, who are they looking to get? Well, I often go to Mong Kok. On a Mong Kok, there's a street with a, um, a stand of Falun Gong. And it says we must eliminate the Communist Party of China. It's a curse on China. And it calls on Communist Party members to leave the party and you must sign to say you're going to leave. I mean, I cannot see how Falun Gong 
or the Epoch Times, its newspapers in English and Chinese, will be, will be able to, to continue. I also wonder about Apple Daily, because Apple Daily is extremely aggressive. It, uh, it, it uh, advises people to demonstrate, tells them what the slogans they should have, where to assemble for demonstrations. I think both of these are obvious targets for this new law, and I, I, I can't see how they will not be targeted. I have seen commentary saying, well, you know, under British colonial times we had special branch here, so what's the difference? Oh, well, no, there's a big difference because these, uh, you know, the new law uh, criminalizes these four things, separ separatism, subversion of state power, terrorism, interference by foreign countries or outside influences. Now, these are extremely broad crimes and uh, we don't have a direct definition of them. But if we use the definition that's used in the mainland, then uh, certainly uh, Epoch Times and Apple Daily, in fact, many uh, institutions here would fall foul of them. So the question is, uh, how far do they want to go? Um, who exactly do they want to target? And what, what, what they will allow? More than 800 schools in South Korea have had to close just days after they reopened because of a spike in new coronavirus infections in the country. South Korea recorded 56 new cases of COVID-19 yesterday, down slightly from a two-month high of 79 new cases a day earlier. RTHK's sole correspondent Frank Smith told Anna-Marie Evans that the move has been accompanied by a stepping up of preventative measures across the country. Some schools have shut down, not all schools, but all schools have been ordered to intensify the measures that they take in battling the coronavirus. They have to engage in more social distancing. Students have to wear masks while they're in school. They're separated by barriers when they take their meals. So these uh, measures, again, are, are uh, in place at at all schools across the country. In addition, other measures have been taken uh, by the government, including closing down all public facilities for uh, two weeks. These include museums, galleries, theaters, you know, all sort of cultural facilities of the country. Uh, as they deal with this new cluster outbreak that uh, has uh, uh, started up at, at a warehouse uh, just on the edge of the capital, Seoul. It must be so disappointing for South Korea, you know, and uh, um, the people involved because, you know, South Korea has been quite a model in terms of how it's done its track and tracing. Yes, uh, it is disappointing. They did, you know, it, it's, been, it's been very interesting to live here. I mean, uh, talking to people around the world, they're, they're undergoing quite severe lockdowns here in South Korea. They didn't really need to do that because of that contact tracing um, um, strategy that they used to, to use people's phone data, their credit card data, um, CCTV, to, to track people that have been in contact with those that have you know, come down with the virus. And they're doing that now with this current cluster outbreak coming out of warehouse. Something like 102 people uh, have tested positive, and they're expanding testing uh, as much as they can. It really shows that all it takes is, is one person. I mean, you know, remembering back in, in Daegu where just one person went to several uh, church uh, ceremonies and, and several uh, um church prayers and, and met hundreds of people, spread the virus uh, to thousands of people. So South Korea is definitely playing catch-up now. 
And Hong Kong rugby legend and ultra-marathon runner Australian Rob Naylor will be running around the peak next Friday evening and he'll repeat the 3.5-kilometre level circular trail until he reaches 100 kilometres. He estimates it will take him 12 hours until 6 o'clock the following morning. Naylor, who was formerly in the Hong Kong rugby team for both the 7s and the 15s, is raising funds for two foundations close to his heart. Now, running through the night, you have less heat and also fewer people to get in your way. But Anna-Marie Evans asked him if that takes a special kind of energy to get you through the wee hours. Actually, when you start in the daytime and go to the night, it's actually harder because you start in the day and sort of on a high. You go to the night and it's a bit of a lull, especially when you're going throughout the whole night. But definitely as the sun comes up, you get a renewed energy. It's, it's, it's quite a, it's a weird sensation, but you, you sort of, when you're running through the night, you're waiting for that first bit of sunlight and it gives you that sort of burst of energy. So that sort of was a part of my thinking as well. I didn't want to run all day and then, you know, go through the night. So, um, yeah, it definitely, it definitely will help as I'm, as I'm finishing off. I'll be getting the first light and hopefully um, you know, a bit of renewed energy. Now you've completed over 20 ultramarathon races, ranging from 43 to 145 kilometres since 2011. So you've done these kinds of distances before, but there's a special mental challenge to this in the fact that it's just flat and boring. Exactly. I mean, most of the races I've done are all in the mountains, so there's obviously a lot of elevation. But this one, not a lot of elevation, just a lot of concrete <laughs> um, and pretty flat. I mean, there's one, there's one small bump in the, in the peak, which is about 50 metres elevation, not even that. So it's, it's, yeah, it's definitely a mental challenge just due to the, just due to the flat and monotonous nature of the, of the peak trail. So each round is 3.5 kilometres. Is anybody coming along with you? Yeah, so I've got Ali McClay, who's actually, I've known him for a few years. He was, he was also a rugby player. Um, he's put his hand up to run as much of it as he can with me. So he's, he's hoping to run 100, but he's not sticking his neck out and saying he will you know, definitely do it. But, um, I mean, kudos to him. He's... he's he said he'll stick with me as long as he can, and if he can do the 100, he will. Those stories were part of the Newswrap programme, which was broadcast on RTHK earlier this evening. Robert Kemp from our newsroom. When encountering chaotic situations or unlawful public events, members of the public should mind their own safety and leave the area immediately. Keep a safe distance from police cordon lines and avoid obstructing law enforcement officers carrying out their duties to maintain public safety and order. To stay safe, steer clear of violent protests and unlawful events. Say no to vandalism. Say no to violence. Live across Hong Kong, this is Radio 3. January to December, we'll have moments to remember. Remember. This is Ray Cudero. Music to remember. That's music nostalgia. From now until 1 a.m.
Featuring Liberace at the piano. You will record there all the way. Coming up now is our old friend, Jim Reed. A long time ago in Bethlehem, so the Holy Bible say, Mary's boy child, Jesus Christ, was born on Christmas Day. Hark now, hear the angels sing, new kings born today, and man will live forevermore because of Christmas Day. Trumpets sound and angels sing, listen what they say. That man will live forevermore because of Christmas Day. While shepherds watch their flock by night, they see a bright new star. Then hear a choir of angels sing, music seems to come from afar. Now Joseph and his wife Mary come to bed. 